<clears throat> hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Can I just say I love the Compass Church, love all of you. So glad that you've come and that we're together pursuing the face of God, saying, Lord, I got room to grow. Teach me your ways. And we've been learning about family, and this is the last week of our series called Family Circus, and today's message is entitled The Ringmaster. You know, the Lord is the ringmaster of the crazy fam. If you're a Christian family, I should say, you have said, Lord, be the master. Be the ringmaster of our circus. And we're going to study him and his heart and how his heart is borne out in our families. So like a plan? I want to ask a question. You know, uh, we call them chick flicks. They're uh, romantic movies. I think, well, let me just ask. Raise your hand if you've seen a romantic movie before. Uh, wow. They've seen a lot of them over there. Um, I think almost all hands went up. Now, sometimes romantic movies can stir the heart a little bit and maybe even bring a tear to your eye, get you a little choked up. And so are you ready for the next one? I'm going to ask if you've cried. And by cry, I mean, have you ever gotten misty? That counts. So uh, if you've been misty-eyed in a romantic movie, raise your hand. Some of these men are like, no, I will not admit it. Liar, I see ya. Well, I'm not sure if you're going to cry or not, but we're going to study a romance together. We're going to study one of the most beautiful romance stories in the world. Tragic and wonderful. You ready? It's the story of a guy named Hosea and his girlfriend, wife, named Gomer. Unfortunate name, but that was her name, Gomer. <laughs> I've been into the minor prophets as of late and inflicting them on all of you. The minor prophets are these books towards the end, the last books of the Old Testament. And, and I've looked at, we've looked at Jonah and Joel and Malachi and now the prophet Hosea. And so if you'll turn with me, let's go to Hosea chapter 3. Verse 1, if you are looking in the Bible in the seat back in front of you, you'll find this on page 900. Hosea 1, 3, or 3, 1, excuse me. The Lord said to me, and me would be Hosea the prophet, the Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Apparently, these raisin cakes were used in the worship of pagan false gods. Verse 2, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a letic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. <laughs> so right now you're going, this is the weirdest romance I have ever heard. What's up with Hosea and Gomer? I mean, I'm reading about adultery and prostitution and buying her. What is going on? Well, 
I'd like to tell you what's going on and fill in the details. I want to I tell you the story. And I've looked at the details of their romance that's found in the first three chapters of Hosea. And rather than trying to read them, I'd like to just tell it to you as a story. So here goes nothing. Hosea was a prophet, preacher, a young man. And he met this girl named Gomer who was stunningly beautiful and exotic. There was some fun-loving, something wild about her that just drew Hosea in. And he fell head over heels in love with her. And she, him, she looked at this man, man of the cloth, named Hosea, and she couldn't believe that a, a guy of his quality would be interested in her. He was a man who had the passion of a poet and the purity of a saint and the strength of a warrior, and she was taken, smitten. But, but Gomer had a secret. Her secret was her past, and she had not let Hosea know until this moment, but she knew she had to tell him because she saw an incompatibility. Her past and his calling to be a preacher made them, I mean, she would have said, he's the most wonderful man I've ever met. I've never loved one like this, but I fear it won't work. She came to Hosea one day and said, you think you know me? There's a part of my story you don't know, and I need to tell you, because you'll find out eventually. And here's the deal. I've been around. I've been with men. I've been with many, many, many men. And Hosea's heart just sank. He did not expect that Gomer had been this way. She went on to say, you know, there are people who know of my reputation, my reputation as living on the wild side, and it would destroy your reputation if you married me. It would ruin your career as a man in ministry. And she said, I love you more than I've loved any human being, but I think it best if we part ways and treasure this relationship as a precious memory. And poor Hosea's mind was spinning, and he's like, oh, man. He said, don't, don't, let's not make any final decisions. Let me pray about this. I need to bring this to the Lord. And he did. He came to the God in prayer and he's like, oh God, I love her so much. What am I going to do? And in prayer, in wrestling through prayer, God spoke. And God told him in no uncertain terms, marry the girl. And so he came back to Gomer with a twinkle in his eye. And he said, you know what God says? God says you're mine and that we are to be married. And so we proposed marriage, and she accepted. And a date for the wedding was picked, and guests were invited, and this marriage was the talk of the town. Let me tell you, people were shaking their heads going, does Hosea have any idea what he's getting himself into? Does he realize how this woman is going to ruin his career? What is he thinking? You know, the rumor and the gossip was spreading like wildfire, but everybody came. It was a spectacle to see opposites attract and to see these opposites come together in a wedding was something to be seen. And as the people came, they couldn't deny that, boy, the bride looks stunning. And they couldn't deny 
Hosea is in love. Look at him. And it was an absolutely beautiful wedding that even won the hearts of the skeptics who were there. And the wedding was beautiful, and the start was beautiful, and the hope was beautiful. Hosea has a thought. If I know with such certainty that God has called me to marry Gomer, can't that be a proof that we should expect the best? Isn't that a demonstration that we should only anticipate pure joy? Well, he was wrong. Didn't go that way. Uh, Eventually, Gomer started to grow restless. The the predictability of domestic life did not sit with her personality type well. Maybe in addition to that, she was irritated by her husband's career. Let me tell you, you know a little thing about being a pastor, and it's a demanding job, and we pastors want to give it our best. I'm sure Hosea poured his whole heart and soul into ministering to the people of the land that needed God. And as he gave his best, I'm sure... Gomer felt like she got the leftovers. And there came a point where she just told her husband rather directly, hey, listen, love you and all, but I need some evenings, you know, to get out and live a little. So how about you, you know, write your sermon, and I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And some of these nights, she started hanging out with her friends late into the night. And eventually, old friends led to old ways. And Hosea found himself laying in bed late at night, all alone, waiting for his wife to come home, heart aching, staring at the ceiling, crying out to God, Lord, I feel like I'm losing her. She's slipping away. God, help, please help. And it seemed that God had answered that prayer when Gomer got pregnant and gave birth to a little boy. And Hosea thought, surely this little boy bundle of joy is going to be the magnet that draws our hearts together again. We're a family now. This will do it. And maybe it did for a time, but eventually Gomer maybe phrased it this way, you and your boy need some father-son bonding time. I'm going to go out tonight and hang out with the friends. You guys just enjoy a quiet evening together. And she was back to her late nights doing Who knows what? Hope sprung in the heart of Hosea again when his wife gave birth to a girl. Now they had a daughter. Mother, daughter, could this girl bring the wandering heart of mom back home? Nope. Then they had a third child, a boy. And it was at this point that Hosea found himself having to acknowledge the thing that he had wondered about for so long. This new baby boy, again, there was something about maybe the skin color, but Hosea said, none of these kids look like me. And he realized that his kids were not his kids, that all three of his wife's pregnancies had been the fruit of other lovers. And the pain was unimaginable, like a knife through the heart. Anybody would have said, we're done. But Hosea couldn't do it. He burned still with a love for this Gomer that made no sense. But because of the love, he couldn't let go. 
And he said, we'll make this work. I will love them as my own. I will take these children into my home, into my heart, into my life, and give them myself to them as I give myself to you. As much as Hosea embraced their family, Gomer could not. Family life just didn't sit well with who she was. And so, one day she was gone. Hosea probably found a note that explained, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me, but I'm out of here. I don't expect the children to ever understand, but please tell them I love them. I wish you and the kids God's best. Goodbye. You know, she had taken off. And here, Hosea finds himself trying to pastor, to preach, to minister, and be a single dad raising these kids. The challenge was immense. And Gomer was off chasing life, you know. Every time someone leaves the path of God, they always are believing in their heart that they're going to something better, that they'll be happier over there. And maybe for a time she was. Again, she was beautiful and could win the affections of men, maybe wealthy, powerful men, men who brought her fine wine and fine dining and great parties. And so for a time, she had fun. But there was no real love in those relationships, and so she would pass from man to man to man to man. And it seemed that each relationship took a piece of her soul, leaving her eventually empty of heart and eventually empty of wallet as well. She was broke, dead broke, desperate, starving, and desperate people do strange things. She decided, hey, let's face the facts. I've been giving my body to men for decades. Why not do so now in a business transaction at an agreed-upon price? And prostitution paid the bills for who knows how many years. But as her body grew old, business declined. And eventually she found herself broke again. More more than broke, she was in so much debt that there was no foreseeable means of getting out of it. And so what she did was she, with her throat all tight and her heart pounding, she came to the trader, that is the slave trader, and she said, what can I get for myself? And she signed the papers, and she gave her life into the possession of another human being. And a date was set for her auction. In those days, they would have a platform and strip the new slave naked. And she was paraded, you know, all used and wrinkled and humiliated onto that stage. And the auctioneer said, is there anybody who will offer me anything for Gomer. And someone said, hey, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you 10 shekels of silver. And then, to the shock of everyone, from the back of the crowd, someone outbid the bidder. 
A voice with clarity rang with passion and determination said, I'll give you 15 shekels of silver. And everybody turned. And to their utter astonishment, it was Hosea. And his eyes were locked on his wife. And he pushed his way through the crowd. And he said, I want her. And I will pay 15 shekels of silver. The the competitive bidder said, all right, 15 shekels of silver and a homer of barley. And without taking his gaze off of Gomer, Hosea said, all right, 15 shekels of silver, a homer and a letic of barley. And at that point, no further bidding. And the auctioneer announced, wow, well, uh, Hosea the prophet, has just purchased his wayward wife. And she was let down off the stage, and Hosea wrapped his coat around his naked wife, looked at her lovingly, put his hands on her shoulders, and said, remember what I told you, you are to live with me for many days. What does it mean, live with me? It's a a plea, come home darling, come home. You are not to be a prostitute or intimate with any man. This is, be my faithful wife. And then a promise. And I, I will do likewise. I will be your devoted husband. Come home, darling. Be my wife. I will be your devoted husband. (laughs) There's love for you. Some of you are like, that's crazy. Yeah, I think that is crazy. Let's call it crazy love. Love of another kind. Love from another world. Love that doesn't make sense. What we got here is what's called grace. Divine love. The love of God's heart. In fact, let me go back and show you uh, in verse 1 a couple things. When, when God says to Hosea after all of this, when he says, show your love, let's highlight that, show your love, show the love you've got. I know you've got it still burning in your breast, Hosea. And you may say, why would any man still love her after all this? Uh, well, I will tell you one reason. It was a miracle. God divinely had infused a supernatural dose of his affection in this guy. He's like, I don't get it, but I can't deny the fact that I adore the woman still. It was a divine love. It was a miracle of God. Why? Because God was wanting to show the people his kind of love. He was, wanting, he was saying, well, what would be the best sermon that Hosea could preach? And then God said, you know what? Rather than his words, let's let his sermon be his life. Let's let his marriage be his finest sermon and let the topic be divine, crazy love. And so God was doing a miracle. He was thrusting this undeniable, unconditional, uncontainable, unrelenting, undying love into the prophet. And the people were just amazed. But with this supernatural love, look what he says down here. Hosea, I want you to love her. I want you to love her 
just as I love the Israelites. The Israelites are God's people. So the command of God is, Hosea, you love Gomer just like I love my people. God says, I want my people to see the kind of love I have for them. It's a totally different kind of love. You know, in, in the normal way of love, there's always a why. Why do you love them? And we can point to reasons because in our economy, love has reasons. But in God's economy, God's kind of love. God, God doesn't love you because of what you do. God loves you in spite of what you do. The love of God is crazy. It's unconditional, unwarranted, unmerited, unrelenting. You know, I was so moved by this story that I, I, I doodle in my Bible. They're pictures, sacred doodling, mind you. Uh, and I want to show you what I wrote uh, above the chapter mark Hosea. I, uh, I wrote a, a big heart. The love of God is that heart. And in the love of God, there's no ifs. You know, normal love will say, hey, I'll love you if I feel like it. I will love you if you're not driving me crazy. I will love you if I still find you attractive. I will love you if you deserve it. That's normal in this world, but the love of God is different. God says, I've never loved you because you were deserving. I've loved you because. And I will always love you. Nothing you do will make me love you more. And nothing you do will ever stop me from burning with love for you. That's the love that was on display in the heart of this prophet named Hosea toward his wife, his wayward wife named Gomer. And you may ask, why are we looking at God's love for us? I thought this was a series on families. It is. And the challenge I want to make to us is that this strange love that comes from another planet, that comes from God, is the same love we are to infuse into our families. Uh, Let's go back to the verse real quick. Uh, The verse says, love her. Who's her? His wife. Love your wife with the same kind of love that I love the people of God. And I think we could broaden it to say, love your family. Love all the members of your family, not just your spouse. Love your family with crazy love, God's kind of love, unconditional love. So often in families, even with kids, it's like, come on, make me proud. Do well. If you perform, I will adore you. If you don't, I won't. It's not said, but it's conditional love and it's implied. And God wants unconditional love to flow in. I had the chance to demonstrate it this week with my son, Jake. Tell a lot of Jake stories. I want to acknowledge that, but he provides a lot of stories. What can I say? This week was parent-teacher conferences. Jake was freaking. Jake knows He knows that his attention deficit issues have had uh, some detrimental effects on his academic performance. He knows that his hyperactivity has had some detrimental effects on his behavior at school. So the thought of mom and I sitting down with uh, his teacher to hear, so I said, hey, Jake, we're going to your school to talk to your teacher. 
Ah, he said, when we came in, he was, how was your meeting, you know? And I said, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that. He said, Jake, meet me in the living room. Yeah, I could see him gulp, and I walked in, I sat down on the couch. I said, Jake, I want to talk to you. And he stood up and he looked towards me, yeah? And I said, Closer. Big eyes, you know, I was milking this, I'll admit it. I was just having fun, and I was playing. And I took a step closer. I go, Jake, closer. How close, Dad? (laughs) And he finally came all the way up to me, and I said, all right, now sit in my lap. So he sits in my lap, you know, yeah. And you're like, come on, don't torture the kid. Oh, but it's fun, you know, I just had a... His eyes in that moment were saying a lot. They were saying, wait a minute, is there relational implications of my academic performance? That's what his eyes were saying. In other words, does my performance affect what my dad feels about me? And I said, Jake Griffin, your teacher said, every day you do your very best. And I wrapped my arms around him and I drew him in and I said, I am so proud of you. I love you so much, son. He's like, like, oh, thank the Lord, you know. And he's melting in my arms and I just held him and just said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Now you say, wait a minute, are you telling me that we shouldn't discipline our kids? No, we, we discipline them because we love them, but our love is not conditional on whether or not they meet our expectations. And it's not just parenting. It's marriage as well. Jen said something the other day that just made me sick. Uh, She said, I was really treasuring her. I think (laughs) I was preaching on marriage that week, and so I was doing a real good job of it for once, and I was just loving on her, and she said, wow. She said, what did I do to deserve this treatment? And I thought, oh, that's sad. The way I have inconsistently loved Jen has led her to the conclusion that she's got to do something to deserve this treatment. And I thought, God, help me treasure her more faithfully and show her that it doesn't matter what she does, that I will love her when she's crabby and when she's not. And I will love her when she's all put together and when she just wakes up. And I will love her when I'm feeling ornery or when I'm feeling great. Lord, teach me to flow with unconditional love to my wife. Now, some of you at this point are saying, this is a hard lesson. There's no way that I can rise up to treasure my kids and my spouse and my family with this kind of unconditional love. How? 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 Well, here's the key. The key is, remember, he said, Hosea, love her just as I love you. Another way of saying it is, love her with the unconditional love that I show you. Or give her what you get from me. Give what you get. The Bible says in 1 John, we love because God first loved us. We are capable of this radical, otherworldly love because we are recipients of it. And you say, I don't know if I receive it. Well, then you got a problem because if you're not receiving it, you can't give it. 
And so I suppose one of the steps is we've got to press into an experiential basking in the love of God. And I had one moment this week with the Lord. I was pressing into his presence through prayer and just saying, God, I need your love. And you know what he brought to mind? My little uh, thing with Jake. I think God said in my heart, hey, let's do that way you and Jake did. God says, stand closer to me, Jeff. <laughs> Came closer to the Lord, and I felt in my heart God say, Jeff, sit in my lap. Sat in his lap. And in that moment, my own failure was so evident to me. Suddenly, as I'm praying, I'm like, yeah, but Lord, you know the failure I've done this week. I am a lazy, no good bum. You know, in all of the ways I have fallen short of true excellence in the various areas of responsibility in my life are just fallen on me. You, how can you love me when? And God reminded me, I've never loved you because of what you do. I've always loved you in spite of what you do. Jeff, just receive it. And the arms of God in that moment of prayer wrapped around me, and I just said, oh, okay, I'll stop fighting, arguing, denying, I'll... I'll receive. And I basked in the affections of God. Folks, we need to receive this crazy kind of love from the Lord and we need to give it to our family. And I'd like to make one more application because in this room, there's a lot of people that some would call a spiritual seeker. Well, when I say spiritual seeker, what I mean by that is you're somebody who's interested in God. That's why you're here. You have a measure of spiritual curiosity, but if I were to ask, are you going to heaven when you die, you'd say, I hope so. You don't know. There is not certainty in your life, and that lack of certainty is, a, is, a, is fruit of a lack of understanding of the ways of God, because God has given you opportunity to be certain. You know, what I love about the story of Hosea and Gomer is that it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus and us. We are like Gomer. You know, Gomer was said to be an adulteress that she chased after other lovers. And the Bible says we are spiritual adulterers against him. That we have loved other loves more than the God who made us and has been so faithful. Our sin, as it's called, our rebellion, our neglect of him has separated us from God. We are in, like Gomer was, the property of another, like she had lost her freedom, like she was in deep weeds. So we're in trouble. We're separated from God and doomed. And in our moment of greatest need, there's a voice from the back of the crowd, and it's Jesus Christ. And he steps forward, pressing on, and he says, I will pay whatever price is needed to spring them out of their slavery. And you know what that price was? The cross of Jesus Christ. When we see the cross, it's so important to remember that that's all about God paying the price to free us. See, God is so just, and to just wink at our sin and rebellion and say, oh, let's pretend it didn't happen. He can't do that. Justice demands a payment be paid. And in the case of Christ, he said, I'll pay it all. He said, I will take my divine life and I will let humans murder me. I will pay the, the price of capital punishment to satisfy justice so that you can be free. And Jesus has paid that price, and he's putting his hands on your shoulders, looking you lovingly in the eyes, saying, Now, 
Come home. Come home. Be faithful to me. And I will be faithful to you. And we all have a decision to make. Will you say yes? You know, you, you may ask, well, what did, what did Gomer say? One of the things that's a little annoying about the book of Hosea is that Gomer's response is not recorded. And I think that maybe God left it that way because he doesn't want us preoccupied with how Gomer responded, but focus rather on how we respond because her story's our story. And so, you were in a world of debts and deep weeds, and Jesus came and paid the ultimate price and is looking you in the eye saying, come home, you were meant for me and me for you. And the question is, what have you said? Have you said, ah, no thanks? Or have you said yes? You know, some have never had that moment of looking Jesus Christ in the eyes and in prayer saying, I see the offer, I understand it now, and I say yes. Well, I want to close in prayer and provide that opportunity right now. We're going to pray, and I want to be clear, you don't have to say anything out loud because God is hearing. He's really listening. Nothing matters more to him than what you're about to say in the silence of your own heart. Jesus Christ is looking you in the eyes saying, you've been on the run, and you were made for me, and the price has been paid. All you have to say is, yes, I'll come home. And in this prayer, you can be in his embrace, brought back in to the family of God. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, this grace is unbelievable. This crazy love is unthinkable. And we just want to acknowledge that, yeah, we've been on the wild side. There's sin in our lives. It's evidence and it's there. But what you've done, the love you've shown towards us, God, it's blowing us away right now. And we hear you, Jesus, and we see the invitation. We see the price you've paid and the request to come home. And a lot of us right now are saying yes. <laughs> yes, we'll come home. We'll receive this unbelievable gift. Forgive us of our sin, Christ. Wash it all away. Take us home. Lead us on. Make our lives beautiful. We are yours. And you are ours. We say yes. Jesus' name, amen.